Hello, this is Grad School Grad, a podcast about public policy and international relations graduate programs in the United States. So, per the request of uh, someone from Grad School Cafe, a forum I'm pretty active in, uh, today's episode is going to be about uh, the job opportunities coming out of a public policy graduate program. So, what I thought I would do is just highlight what I've seen. Um, both among the policy program I went to, but also among the policy graduate programs my family members, my friends have been to, and just what I've seen out there. Um, I think this is a pretty good list. I might be missing one or two or a few things, but I think this generally gives you a good idea what the opportunities are coming out of a policy program. So um, I split this into four categories. That's one, traditional policy jobs, two, private sector jobs, three, I just call it new age. Then four is not, not using your degree at all. So let's talk about traditional policy jobs. And I call it traditional policy jobs because essentially these were the career paths that, um, were kind of like targeted for policy uh, graduate program students, um, you know, as from the beginning to roughly, uh, shall we say, the 90s, even a bit to the 2000s. And in the 2000s, the job opportunities kind of diversify a bit. But these are like the what traditionally were the routes. So the, um, first off is think tanks and research institutes. Um, to a certain extent, um, think tanks... And research institutes can differ a little bit depending on size, complexity, and uh, prestige. But generally, the, the role is the same. It's just going in and being an analyst uh, at the Think Tank Research Institute. Um, a lot of people tell me they want to go to policy school for these type of roles. I just think it's really interesting because, um, I mean, some smaller organizations, uh, an, an MPP or MPA might be treated well. But generally speaking, um the PhDs are the people that are the the well-respected members there. And no matter how good of a school you came from, your MPP or MPA kind of, I mean, I hate to say it, makes people second-class citizens. Again, like I said, certain smaller research institutes, this doesn't apply, but pretty much true for a lot of the, the major think tanks. Um, you know, from what people tell me and what I've seen, the, the pay isn't that great. The professional development, at least from a research side, isn't always the best. So, but you now for whatever reason, a lot of people are just really interested in these roles. Uh, go, at least going into policy school. Um, number two, I would, there's IGO. So the big examples, I mean, there's lots of IGOs out there. The big ones I always hear about people want to work for is the World Bank and the UN. Uh, first of all, it's really hard to get these roles. Usually you have to know someone. Um, or, you know, I, there, I have heard instances where professors help someone get in this role, but it's very few and far between. And usually it starts off as a consulting or contractor role, not exactly a full-time role. Um, I'm sure somebody out there has converted full-time to the World Bank uh, or the UN um, from a contractor role, but you know, I I don't know of any, but it, it's from what I understand, it's possible. Um, a third option 
I hear about is uh, going abroad doing program evaluation. This is mostly applicable to the international development crowd. Um, a lot of people go public policy to do international development. Um, I think there's a lot of variables here about depending on country, how well the program is run. Uh, it is something that I do hear about um, that goes on and the experiences vary greatly, but it's out there. All right. Uh, one really common item is working for the federal government uh, as a civil servant. Now, this kind of manifests in one, two ways. Uh, there could be formal programs like PMF, Presidential Merit Fellowship, uh, Merit uh, Fellowship, and, or there could be like, for example, State Department has the Foreign Service Officer. Uh, there are some MPPs, MPAs who do, do that route. It's not as common as, as the IR graduate uh, students, but it happens. Um, that there's all sorts of other general cert that, that there are yeah general service uh, opportunities and pathways. That's the second way way to do it. That is n maybe less formal, but they're out there. Then there's a uh, Capitol Hill. Um, now, usually by by and large, a lot of people enter Capitol Hill coming straight from undergrad, but there there are you know it, it is it's out there. Uh, I mean, I, I've seen it quite a bit. People go to grad, policy graduate programs, try to convert to Capitol Hill. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it just being able to network and be able to manage relationships sometimes matter more than what you know. And it's about playing your cards right. Some people are very good at it. And some people with lots of prestigious degrees are not so good at it. And uh, that's just something to keep in mind. Um then there's state and local government. You know, I think it's interesting that state and local government a lot of times is just like discounted sometimes in policy schools as the the less interesting, less prestigious rules. But I mean, depending on your state and or local government, it can be some of the highest paying roles out there. Um, and also it can be some of the most impactful roles too, because um at least in the United States, a lot of things are handled by state and local government, and it touches a lot of lives uh, based on uh, decisions, depending on the role that that happens. So um, I think it can be, emphasis on can be, a good option. It's, I would say it's probably under uh, undervalued option a lot of times. So then there's lobbying. Lobbying, again, you don't need a graduate degree for, but can it help? Sure. Um, it Again, getting through lobbying, at least via major lobbying firm, a lot of times just networking in. And uh, you know, take, going through graduate school kind of gives you that time to help help figure out the networking and uh, getting into a firm or, uh, or, or uh, a company that does lobbying and get involved in that space. Then there's what I call political campaigns and fundraising. So this is something like working for a governor's campaign or working for a presidential campaign um, or tied to uh, a major party and doing fundraising. The, uh, so this is one of those things which I think of as high risk, high reward. So it's high risk because if your person loses, well, you know, you, you have on your resume work campaign, but it, that's not exactly a necessarily a career advancing uh, thing. I mean, it might help you to work on another campaign or have another job. But um, if, yeah, it's always best if your candidate wins. And if your candidate wins, 
you could have potential opportunity to enter his or her administration and then go go places, uh, go really far. Um, especially, you know, I know people who've been in a successful presidential campaign and then entered the administration, done really well. And, fu- and again, fundraising, it's about who you fundraise for and if it's a winning situation or not. And at the end of the day, you can't really predict elections necessarily. Um, then there's political consulting. And political consulting, it's uh, just to explain what it is. It's going to an organization that basically comes up with uh, political management plans, political management advice. Um, there's domestic political consulting. There's international or political consulting. Um, either or, there are options. Um, it can be competitive uh, depending on the topic area. And it's also a little bit niche. Um, so, you know, the firms vary greatly, but it's an option out there. Then there's political advocacy. Political advocacy is basically um, working for an organization that advocates for a cause or sets of causes or set groups of people. Um, it's Again, you don't need a graduate degree, but can it help? Kind of, sure. But I, I see people that get, get into that. There's Then there's nonprofit operations. Um, and that's just working for a nonprofit and then you know, just figuring out who goes where, what money is spent, um, what are the priorities, general management type stuff. Again, grad school helps, don't necessarily need it, but I think it's good to understand a uh, policy angle of it. So, yeah. Then there's like educator slash education administration. So I put these two together, but they can't be separate things. So there are some situations in which people do get an MPP or MPA just so they could teach uh, a university class. Um, I mean, it hap- sometimes it happens with international students, so- very rarely, but it does happen with American students who, you know, they just need a master's degree to go teach somewhere. Um, and then, I mean, also, also, yeah, sometimes it's true for, like, maybe they want to teach at high school and they just need a graduate degree. That happens too. Um, then tied to that or connected to that is, um, some people want to stay in higher education and work at administration route or, uh, or help out with the administration. And there are roles, uh, that MPP, MPA, um, can, can kind of really help you get that, uh, position. Actually, it's interesting. I, when I see, uh, graduate school admissions offices, I see plenty of MPAs, and MPPs. So it's, it's a, it's a way to get there. Um, then lastly, and, People mention this a lot, but uh, it, it, it is something that happens that much. It does happen, and it feels like it happens disproportionately because a lot of professors do this. But um, And what I'm talking about is getting your PhD after your MPP or MPA. So, um, I mean, it varies by school a little bit. Uh, I know my graduate program, the number of people that got PhD is roughly 1% to 2% of each graduate class. Some schools are higher, like about four or five, but broadly speaking, uh, a PhD from MPP is not that pop. It's not that popular. I mean, it happens, but it's, it's a little bit, uh, out there. Okay. Next up, next category. Uh, these are private sector jobs. Now, um, there have always been people from public policy programs go private sector jobs. Very famously is, uh, the former Treasury Secretary, Paul Neal, he got MPA 
Um, and he ran a steel company before he became treasury secretary. So it happens. Um, but you know, historically, uh, the, you know, we went to a public policy program to be in the public uh, sector. But I would say within the past 20 years or so, 30 years or so, um, there's more and more people going private sector. And it's definitely become a lot more socially acceptable. Although professors do, I have seen professors talk about, oh, going private sector, kind of like a negative feel towards it every now and then. So like, what are the private sector jobs? So uh, the first is um, public sector consulting. Now, public sector consulting is publicly facing, but the consulting companies are in the private sector. Um, the big one that everyone talks about is Deloitte. So they are definitely, at, at least in the United States, in terms of their government operation stuff, it's one of the biggest uh, public sector consulting firms. I mean, there, there's there's others out there, um, but uh, and there's lots lots of small smaller uh, public sector consulting firms. Um, yeah. It's, it can be a high, relatively high-paying, uh, prestigious job that still deals with public sector issues, um, but it it is consulting, and there's lots of pros and cons behind consulting, and you know, everyone should understand that before they pursue that. Then there's private sector consulting. Um, you know, it's interesting. I actually have met quite a few, I mean, not that many, but a few uh, public policy alumni who after graduation they essentially never touch public policy ever again they went to pri- private sector and did their private sector stuff um obviously the most prestigious is mbb which is mckinsey bain bcg but uh there's lots of firms out there i've seen public policy grads matriculate through them and do different things it happens um then it's what i call working with industry but being policy related so the best example I could give of this is um, like going to work at Facebook or TikTok and doing business integrity stuff or going to a big industrials and thinking about trade policy. Um, so that's an example. Then there's um, working industry, but just general management analysis. So kind of using your policy degree, but kind of not. And this I also seen happen. Actually, this is what Paul Neal, the former Treasury Secretary, did. Um, it's ge- general management. Um, I, you can use your data skills. You can use your, depending on if your program taught you a lot of soft, soft skills, you could use that. Um, you know, in a hot economy, and I've seen people just, hey, there's a management position, and they're lured to the salary, and if they're interested in it, and they can get in, great. That's a way to use your grad degree. Then the third I call new age. And the reason I call them new age is because I would say, I mean, they might have been around for 20 years or so, but it's kind of like really become more and more common in the past like decade or 15 years or so. Um, I mean, they're still, I would say, relatively rare. Um, I probably only know like what, one, eh, maybe two or three from my program that kind of even touched upon them. So I'll give you an example. Um, so first would be like startups. Um, yes, public policy students do startups. Um, 
I'm not saying they're always successful, or and some actually some have been successful, but um, no matter who does them, the, the startup rates of success are comes and goes. But it's happened, and it's, it's an option. Then there's, I just call it tech development, and that's largely speaking, um, your work, it just uh, working with a company or organization, anything. Just thinking about the future of technology and uh, just set, setting up, setting up programming, uh, just shaping where technology is going to go. Uh, I, I know this sounds rather vague because there's so many forms this can take. Uh, with a big, with a big company, small company, startup, whatever. I don't, but it's not necessarily policy related. It's kind of like more design and future business related type things. But I, I see and hear about people having these roles. Um, then there's public and private par- uh, partnerships. So this is something like the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey, which high is really looking for. Uh, M- MPP, MPA uh, grads. And the reason why I'm saying this is more new age is that, yes, kind of public and private partnerships have always been around. Um, but uh, it's, I-, I would say, like, the pu- public and private partnerships have exploded within the past 15, 20 years in the U.S. And they have become more aggressively looking for MPP, MPA loans. What I think is interesting is that um, I don't know what it is, but a lot of MPPs and MPAs are really interested in these roles, even though they're, they're really high paying and I think they're great opportunities, but usually they involve things like infrastructure and that kind of like scares people for whatever reason. Um, but Hey, they're out there and I think they're great jobs, great opportunities. And then, um, there's, I just call them coding. Um, a lot of people, especially those international students who like, want to stay in the U.S., they, the user policy degree and focus on the coding aspect of it and the data science aspect of it um, to uh, you know, find roles that uh, they could just land a good job at and then have an opportunity to stay in the U.S. and do things from there. Um, and then, I, then the next big bucket, uh, just big category, uh, would be just number four, not using your degree at all. And, you know, it's very much true. I know public policy uh, students and alums who essentially didn't use their degree at all. And this manifests in a few ways. Um, some people uh, kind of like make a pivot into journalism. So, I mean, kind of use it, but not really. But that that that's a way it happens. Uh, another way is that I actually seen people get their public policy degree and then turn around and do a degree, another degree. Um, and you and you can make an argument that the degree can be related, but yeah. So for example, I know someone who had a public policy degree and then as soon as they finished, they went to law school. And what they're doing in law school or the jobs they're interested in law school doesn't really touch what they did in public policy space. Uh, it, it happens. People change their minds. They grow up, do all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I hope this gives you an idea of kind of like the opportunities that are out there. 
uh, coming on a public policy graduate program. And yeah, hope hope this helps. Good luck.